Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, sponsored by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. We're joined again today by Jesse Bounds. Last time we talked about kind of international markets and exchange rates and and why that matters. And today we're going to talk more about management. So my mode right now is forecasting for 2024. My crystal ball isn't good enough for 2025 and it's it's mostly broken. So it, it gets rough. My process... I go through and I inventory the fields and I build out individual budgets for each field. My banker freaking loves that. That is a great demonstration of competency. Even though my my projections that I do, they're going to be wrong. But that's not the point of doing mm-hmm. this exercise. We're trying to do some forecasting. It's going to be wrong, but that's that's the nature of the game. We're gonna we're we're forecasting things like fuel and twine and fertilizer and all of that stuff. So I have all my ducks in a row when I get to oh for me it's the end of March where I really start plant like getting getting a little antsy thinking about if there's snow on the field still or not for me. I when I get to that stage I need to have all my planning done. I I can't do it on the fly. That's that's an impossibility. I'm trying to do some revenue projections now. Dryland hay production. We've been on a roller coaster that you couldn't believe where I've had Timothy fields that have done almost five ton. And then the next year we didn't cut them because the drought was so bad. And then they came back and did four and a half ton and then back down to one ton. I just, I just want an average crop. Just, just give me something in the middle. I can, I can manage in the middle, but tons of money, no money, mediocre money because the export market fell apart. And then no money again is, is really rough, but I'm trying to manage through that. And that management for me looks like sitting down, estimating yield on every single field, estimating harvest expenses, fertilizer, pesticides, going through and understanding every single, or at least putting together a guess for every single field. Now, I've been screwing this game up for 19 years now. This will be my 19th year owning my own equipment. I, I can screw this up. Over and over and over, and I learn something new every time. The only way that I really track those lessons is to take my projections and then compare them to actuals at the end of the year. So this is two twofold. What do I think is going to happen? And then why was I wrong? And I do that exercise in November. That's me. How do you do it? All do is we'll take the same situation where we're taking the information or we call it the data, right? Basically the information, the numbers from the previous year or previous years, Mm -hmm. right? So for us, um, let's talk, we talked a lot about like Australia where the yields are going to fluctuate because they're dry land. Yep. Last year we had one of the driest years I've seen for a lot of our crops. So last year was a very unnormal year for us for harvest. And so I'm looking at the crops and they look really, really good. So I know and uh, my forecast isn't going to be based off of last year for crop yield for what we do. Yep. It's going to be based off of average. So, so let's say that last year it was and it was one ton for like festestral was way off. I'm looking at these crops. If we get spring rain, we're going to have a, a normal yield and a normal yield 
I can go back into the year before and the year before and look at that. We know that that's two and a half to three tons of the acre. Like we can call it two and a half for budgeting purposes or forecasting purposes. I'm going to use two and a half tons in our area, right? If it's great, but I don't want to overstate that. So if you have like three or four years of really good data, find that we like to see, we like to use at least three data points. So three years, if we're going to do that, the same as three months if you're doing month to month. But for farming, we would take three years of historical data. We would combine that, divide it. That would give us a really good estimate on an average. Mm-hmm. That's how we would do it. Yep. And then what I'm going to look at is my cost to operate. What was it last year? Now, last year, I know it was going to be higher than the year before because we didn't bail as many tons. Yep. I'm going to probably take a blended costs from the year before and this year because we also had huge fluctuations where fuel and twine and things like Ah, some items were a lot higher yep right and some were it was lower so we we we, like twine we can estimate because we've already purchased it right so we have that split out like for our bailing let's talk specifically about bailing in this twine purchase so we know based on how many tons we think we're going to bail we can because we know our twine cost we we can already project what our twine cost is going to be per ton. So we think everything on our forecast, everything is going to be per ton. And the reason why is that's how we sell hay. We sell everything per ton. So all of my data points that I look at, because the way I buy it, the way I sell it is all broke down in per ton. Now, if you're farming, you might break things down in by acre, but I like to look at everything like even if I'm selling grass seed or wheat, if that was a crop that I was really heavily into, I would want to know like how much my cost is in each area per pound of seed, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like you still have to know your acres, but my mind thinks that way. It's easier for me to know how I'm bidding, a, like, like if I'm bidding something or I'm having to analyze it, I like to think of it in the way that I'm selling it. Yep. That makes sense. So let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor. Looking to get more from your alfalfa seed? Plant cropland. Achieve your alfalfa production goals with a well-crafted plan. New AA series varieties from cropland provide significant improvement in overall plant health, improving yield, quality, and persistence. Find the new AA series variety that works for you, available in conventional Roundup Ready or reduced lignin Harvester trait platforms. Cropland has the right fit for your need. For insights and more information that will work for you, go to www.cropland.com. I'll I'll just tag on there that I'm doing budgets in both acres, so dollars per acre, but also dollars per ton, and I lean more heavily towards dollars per ton because that's how I think because that's how I sell the product. Yeah, and so there's two ways to do it, a forecast. You can either do bottom up or top down. I like to do it. I'm I'm start. I used to do top down, and so like my bank when we would sit down and do a buck, they would say, "Okay, how much do you think you're going to do?" This is probably pretty standard for most people. You know, the left side your your farm budgets. You might list all of your items. Mm -hmm. You know, your crops, crop top. You know, you're going to go and have your month over month. You know, they make you do each month and. The, the very far right, you know, they total everything up. Okay, this is my project, my projection for my gross sales. And then they work down all the way to the bottom. That's how I was taught to do 
it or a forecast. Mm -hmm. I don't really look at it that way the same anymore because now I know my cost. The, The reason why they do that is because you have a pretty good gut idea that you might be able to sell your hay for X amount of dollars next year, right? Yep. Most farmers have a pretty good idea. We know the hay market isn't as good as it was a couple of years ago. So if they got for their hay this year, they're probably going to hope to get 200 again, maybe. Let's just use that easy figure. Yep. Well, if you can't grow it, what you need to really know is you grow it for 200. That's the, once you know like your gut, what's more important to me if I'm, if I, let's say I'm looking at becoming a hay farmer and I want to go a couple pivots or some farm ground, my biggest concern is can I grow it for what it's trading for? Or, I mean, ideally, can I grow it for less than what it's trading for? Well, right. He- Heaven forbid think, farmers actually make money. Well, and I don't, like, my concern is I don't, because I don't grow like in, I don't grow hay in, say, Washington, where there's a lot of hay, a lot of, you know, in your area. Yep irrigated ground, I don't know. My concern has been because of the export market. My concern is that they can grow it for, can you grow it for $170, $180, $200? So that's what it's trading at, at under $200 at the, I think at the stack, really. I I think on alfalfa, you're going to find in the Columbia Basin, uh, your cost of production varies, right? But that $170, $180 is like bare minimum on irrigated pivots. Yeah, and so right there... So my concern, if I was going to be building a forecast out for growing hay, like say in Washington, I'm really going to look at, I'm going to say, okay, what was it? What did it really cost me? So what's my land rent or my payments on my land, whatever that is, my bank loans, but what is that breakdown to per acre? So now we can go to the per acre method and we can say, okay, I'm paying this much an acre for rent or it's costing me this much money to own this ground if I this is what my loan payment is on the ground. Whatever that is, yep. that's where you can start by per acre, right? And then it's you should know how much your water bill is if you're irrigating, and you should have option on how many days you irrigated and how much power, and you can break that down uh, and get your per acre. And then you know you should know your per tons. Where the difference between farmer math and real accounting is, you act exactly how many tons you produce for the year. So whether that's you're going back through all your scale tick, all of the product, all your bale counts, did you do inventory at the year at year end? This is where guys, the, the guys that do it right and farmer math, this is the difference right here is when you got all done with harvest, did you actually go everything? Do mm-hmm. you actually know how much you produce? Not the bale count. That's not what we're talking about. Did you, do you physically have all the paperwork? And where guys really get screwed up or have cattle and they're a hay producer because there's just some like hay that just goes to the cows and they're like, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's this much a ton of this much per acre. Well, the problem is the hay farm subsidizing the cattle operation. Yeah. And you don't even know it. Yep. They actually don't, they don't realize what it's costing to really feed those cows, a lot of them. Yep. Because they're not billing the cattle company and the cows aren't actually paying for the hay. They're just kind of moving some stuff over there. Well, and they go, well, I have a place to go with it. But you you have to account for that, that that's a cost to you. Every bale that goes over there is an actual deduction off your profit and loss statement. It's a loss. One of the conversations that I had, oh, this was Andrew Limegruber on the podcast years and years ago. Boy, it's crazy to say that. A couple of years ago, anyway. He always figured that for every million dollars in sales, you need a legal entity. And, and maybe that's not universal, but maybe that's what makes sense for his, uh, his region and his operation. 
Uh, if you're selling cattle and you're producing hay, maybe maybe there's space there for two operations, two legal entities, and then the hay farm is selling hay to the cattle operation. And then you can start to make better decisions saying, look, we have this really nice hay that's really valuable. Maybe we should sell that and buy some junk hay to run through the cows. The, the, it's, it's considering opportunity cost. Well, and I think in the long run, you'll find that you'll make more money doing it that way. Well, the thing is it changes the way you look at it. Yep. Because you don't, a lot of times we don't realize, and this is where it really changed for me. And I've, I've talked about this multiple times with my trucking company that I, they ran together. I, I, let's, let's, let's think of my trucks as my cattle. Yep. I didn't have cows. I got these two Highlanders. And as I was feeding them this weekend with her, I knew what a profit and loss statement. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to let Ryan know at the end of the year that we've lost some more money on that haystack over these cows. Right. And I know <laughs> there's, there's, here's the deal. Those cows aren't going to become worth more money every time I take a bail over there. Like yeah, I know yeah, everybody, yeah, these cow yeah. guys are going to listen to like, ah, like here's the deal. The way that's booked right now, that hay inventory is inventory to be sold. Every time I take a bale over there and feed it, I'm deducting that. That's a cost. Like it's going away. It's yep. going into a cow. I have to, I have to replace that with that income or that's a loss. Yep. And it doesn't matter whether it's prairie hay, whether it's, Little bales on the East Coast, it's all the exact same. There's an opportunity cost on that hay. And maybe, and I mean, hay guys have cows for reasons. Uh, and it has to do with the waste, the, the waste stream. Bottom bales, stuff that's a little questionable that you don't want to sell. And, and then you, you get to the cattle producer that puts up hay for their own cattle. They might not be considering that opportunity cost. What could I sell this hay for? Could I make more money selling the hay than feeding it to the cows? And that's where that's where the numbers come in because it's okay. We know there's going to be loss when you're a supplier, right? Like you're talking about that, where you're going to have bad bales, you're going to have kickouts. We have the chaff and the hay press in the um, in our hay press. So I I could go buy cows and I could feed those cows the chaff, or I can rebale the chaff like I do and I can sell it at a discount capture that money it's way more beneficial for me to do that in my operation and operation is going to be different right but what you need to understand is what is it costing you to feed those cows like you're talking about you in your area could you feed that to a bigger feedlot and they would maybe pay you more money because you're not that good of a cattle farmer like i'm not a cattle person right like i'm not like like i would lose money with cows and so for me it doesn't make sense for me to have a whole bunch of cows to feed all my bad hay to. What I what's more beneficial for me is to build more or lower my waste, become a better business person in my business, reduce my waste cost, and then whatever I can't sell, say export, and I still am gonna have some waste, try to like lower that. That's my goal. Like my goal isn't to like say, I've got this waste of five or 10%. I'm going to go buy a bunch of cows. I'm just going to get rid of it. So if you're a hay farmer um, and you're and you're not tracking your waste, the fastest way to improve your bottom line is start tracking your waste. No and question. And minimalize it, whatever that is. I was just going to say, if you're a cattle guy feeding round bales. If you're 10 bales of field, right? Cut it down to five. Like put yeah. plastic down. I don't know. Like build a barn. Like do things. Like reduce your waste. That's yep. like it. it 
when you reduce your waste, it's more of a sellable product. And I think what what is it? We're not saying that feeding your cows are is a bad thing. You're not going to make money doing it or whatever. What we're saying is you need to know the cost in which it's costing you to feed them. And if you're supplementing it from your hay operation, your hay operation should be aware of how much money that's costing. Because yep. if we're forecasting, right, and we say, oh, budget, we know historically we lose this much hay and we're going to have to feed it, that needs to be budget or the forecast. Yep. Like it's it's part of it, right? Yeah. Um, so like, okay, so we do that. We do that with our, we know um, our, tra- like we when we press, we know what our track is. So we track that every single, we track it daily now. So we used to, that's something that we implemented you know, we went, we went to accrual, we would count all of our chaff. We know our chaff loss at every month. And the more that we reduce that it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year is what it adds up to mm-hmm. is how much chaff, you know, how much we lose. And so what we've been able to do is take that number by tracking it and just shrink it down. And then we count it every day and now it's manageable. So like, say we make 10, I think we make 10 chaff bills a day on average. We can't get it to like eight, like it's most impossible. Like we could get it like we can keep squeezing on it more and more, and that's our goal. Our biggest goal is to know what how tight we can get it, and then at that at that ratio, right? If it's one percent, and we can keep it at one, so what we want to do is at each day we know how much we're we're making, and if it gets out of whack, we can we can track that right away. It's just a management process, and once you put the processes in like that, it, yeah, it takes more time, but. Once they're in, they're in. And if you just stay on top of them, it's it's a game changer for your business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jesse, it's been wonderful having you again. I always appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks, John. I'm glad to be on today. I want to say thank you to our sponsors today. Without Vermeer, this wouldn't be possible. But also a special thank you to Nick Palmieri at Palmieri Sound. Just a, a fantastic company to work with, and I couldn't recommend them more highly for podcasting. Also, thank you to Jessica Palmieri for doing our social media coordination. I couldn't do all this Hey King stuff without you, so thank you. Thank you.